Everything Jimmy Athletics Podcast. I'm Sean Johnson. We're recording this on the second floor of the beautiful Unruh Sheldon Building here on the wonderful campus of the University of Jamestown on February the 27th, 2020. We'll start right off wrapping up the Jimmy basketball seasons, which unfortunately both came to an end last night in the quarterfinals of the Great Plains Athletic Conference Tournament. The Jimmy women's basketball team fell to nationally ranked Hastings College. Broncos ranked number four in the country. The Jimmys lost 77 to 49. They could really, really never get out of an early hole. They dug themselves in as they were down 24 to 10 at the end of the first period. So Hastings will move on to the GPAC semifinals. Meanwhile, the Jimmys finished the season at 16 and 15 overall, but that was one, two more wins than they had all of last year. And this year, they qualified for the GPAC Conference Tournament, something they did not do last year. So certainly, they have made strides is what you always want to do. Get better than you were last year, and the Jimmy Women's Basketball team did that. Taking a look at the GPAC Women's Basketball Tournament first round, all the top seeds won. Number one, Concordia beat number eight, Midland, 95-46. Number two, Hastings, as we mentioned, beat the Jimmy 77-49. Number three, seeded Morningside, defeated Northwestern 90-87 to in overtime. And the number four seed, Dort, beat the number five seed, Dakota Wesleyan, 75-55. Now think about that for a minute. One of the teams that is out of the tournament is the number 15 team in the country, Dakota Wesleyan. So the top four seeds will advance to the semifinals. That means nationally ranked number two, Concordia, number four, Hastings, Number eight, Morningside, as in we mentioned, number 12, Dort. Again, that just speaks to how incredibly tough uh, the women's basketball conference is in the GPAC. Definitely the best women's basketball conference in the NAI, and the Jimmies made it to the conference tournament. And then when you look back on the season, the final stats, again, some really positive things to look at. You look at returning starters, Hannah DeMars, who was the leading scorer on this Jimmy team, she averaged right around 10 points per game. She was just a freshman. She'll be back. Kai Tower, who started seven games, came off the bench, but certainly could be a starter, averaged 7.3 points per game. She will be an integral part of the team next year. Noel Josephson, a junior, was third on the team in the scoring. Mackenzie Higlin, who's a, a sophomore, was fifth on the team in scoring. Emma Storr will be back. Macy Nielsen, a lot of really good talent coming back for Thad Sankey's third season here at the University of Jamestown. So an excellent season for women's basketball as they made improvement over the year before and looking for even more improvement next year. The men's basketball season also came to an end as they lost at number two seed Dakota Wesleyan. The Tigers ranked number nine in the country. The Jimmys led 40-35 at the half, but Dakota Wesleyan put together an incredible second half outscoring the Jimmys 55-35 for a 90-75 victory. Freshman Mason Walters had a double-double for the Jimmies in his first ever GPAC postseason tournament game. He had 17 points to go along with 11 rebounds. The Jimmies were without the services of two of their starters. Jack Talley was not available. Neither was Brock Schramm. So playing very shorthanded, the Jimmies gave Dakota Wesleyan a run for their money, but in the end fell 90-75 to to end their season. The Jimmies on the year... 18 and 13 overall. That's the seventh consecutive season that the Jimmy men's basketball team has won at least 17 games. Very impressive. Looking at the GPAC basketball tournament, a big upset in the quarterfinals as number eight Hastings went to Sioux City and beat uh, top seed Morningside, who's ranked number two in the country, beat them 84 to 80. 
Number four seed at Concordia beat Northwestern 74-63. And number six, Mount Marty upset number three, Dort, on them on their home court, 75-74. So you've got the number eight and number six seeds still alive. Number eight, Hastings, goes to number four, Concordia. And number six, Mount Marty, goes to number two, Dakota Wesleyan. And again, another excellent season for Danny Neville and Jimmy Men's basketball as they win 18 games this year. And as a friend of mine told me the other day, he goes, you know, there's a lot of basketball teams that have like to have 18 wins. And one of those, fortunately, is the University of Jamestown. Again, you look at the numbers. We mentioned Jack Talley was not available. Uh, he was unavailable for the regular season finale at home against Concordia and then not available in the conference tournament. He was the leading scorer on this ball club this year at 16.7 points per game. He uh, was third on the team at three-point field goals made with 69, also an excellent rebounder. He was second on the team in rebounding at 7.2 points per game. So he will be a force to be reckoned with in his senior year. He'll be back. Obviously, the Jimmys lose some talented players, Terrell Alford, Isaiah Dobson, and Jack Frazier, but also returning will be super freshman uh, Mason Walters, who missed five games due to injury. He was still fourth on the team at scoring and 14 points per game and led the team in rebounding at 8.6 points per game. Hopefully Brock Schramm can recover from his injury and he'll be back. He, again, also averaged in double figures at 11.4 points per game and five rebounds per game. And Brady Birch will also return. Brady started 16 of the 30 games this year. He averaged 11 points and seven rebounds, which was third best on the team. And Brady shot an impressive 61% from the field, which was second on the team. So a lot of good things surrounding Jimmy basketball, a lot of great talent coming back. And we caught up with one of the guys that's going to be a big part of next year's team, Brady Birch, and talked to him the day after the end of the season. Well, Brady, it was obviously a tough end of the season last night, but you know, one of the really, I think, neat things working here at the University of Jamestown is you got back home at probably 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're here up at the Larson Center this morning working with homeschool kids in physical education. Does it kind of put it all under perspective? Yeah, it really does. It's, 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 it's a, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on right now, but the season's over, and uh, you just got to get back to schoolwork now. You get to focus more on school, and that's part of my schoolwork is physically educating these kids, that these homeschool kids, and got to get back and do the job. Someone's got to do it. So, Talk about what your career aspirations are. Uh, hopefully get to go back to Minnesota and be a physical education teacher along with being a coach, something along those lines. So, What's kind of inspired you to want to be a coach? Um, I've just, I just feel like I, I have the voice for it. I feel like I have the knowledge to do it. And I, I just, there's nothing better than being around a team of guys and coaches that all care about each other. And that's just what I want to do the rest of my life is have that kind of feeling. Plus you're really tall and I think people are going to listen to you. Is that part, is that way into it? Yeah. Yeah. The height is definitely an intimidation <laughs> factor, I think for some kids. So well, take it easy on me. All right. Yeah. Let's talk about the season a little bit. Listen, I mean, you know, last year, obviously, 29-6, unbelievable year, probably one of the greatest years in Jimmy basketball history. People get really caught up in that and celebrate it as well they should. But, you know, 18 wins. I talked to somebody the other day, and I said, yeah, we're 18 and whatever our record is. I said, you know what, there's a lot of programs out there that love to have 18 wins. So I know maybe this year didn't live up to maybe as high expectations as you had, but you still had a good year. Yeah, it was it was an up and down year for sure, and we had our highs, we had our lows. We obviously didn't finish like we wanted to, but 
you know, we were we were in every single game we played, and we we fought. We didn't fold in every game. So, I think that's just kudos to our guys. Of just you know, even though we don't come out with the win, we still look to battle each and every game afterwards. So it's just it's nothing better than going out there with your guys, win or lose. So. You know, this year dealt with a lot of injuries, illnesses on the team. In fact, the last week or two here, uh, you were down two starters. And, uh, you know, one of those was Brock Schramm, a guy that you play a lot with on that front line. How did your role change during the season? Uh, Yeah, when Brock went down, I definitely felt like I needed to be smarter with my minutes you know I, I would go we would go 50 50 most of the year and I could you know have a few falls there a few falls here and there but um I had I felt like I had to be smarter and I didn't you know do a great job of that I definitely had my fair share of falls here to end the year but offensively I felt like I had to kind of control it more being the only five that we really had Mason wasn't really he didn't know how to run the offense exactly from the five from at the start of it so I felt like I kind of had to control the offense from the five there but I just looked to be more aggressive you know I couldn't take out the whole inside game away just because Brock was out you had to keep that pressure on so our shooters could get kickouts and whatnot so that's just kind of how it changed I wasn't really an offensive factor with Brock he was more of the offensive guy but I felt like I tried to switch that up a little bit when he came out So uh, what did you learn from this season and what can you take, what lessons can you take from this year and apply them to next year? Uh, We definitely need to take every practice more seriously. I feel like we kind of got lax throughout the year on a couple practices, let a few slip and wasted a couple days that we needed, you know, to prep for certain teams. And and it showed in games we didn't didn't go to the scout how we should have in some of the games, and that cost us. And we just need to be more locked into practice, I feel like, next year and years to follow. So, Next year, you're senior. Yeah. That's going to mean a lot to you. So what are the goals for next year? The goals are just to fight every game like it's our last. You know, I don't want to waste any days or any practices or any games, and I just hope that the guys will follow us, us seniors, me included, and just do everything we ask for them. I want to go out on the highest note possible, comparable to, you know, my sophomore year, and I just hopefully we can do something similar to that. Now we'll turn our attention to wrestling. First in men's wrestling, three University of Jamestown men's wrestlers were named to the Great Plains Athletic Conference all-conference second team, Brandon Aragon, the senior from Pueblo, Colorado at 149 pounds. Carson Painter, the senior from Livermore, California at 157 pounds. And Josh Gaden, the sophomore from Sitka, Alaska at 197 pounds, were all named to the second team All-G-Pack. Painter and Gaden uh, advanced to the championship in their weight division at the G-Pack championships last weekend. Meanwhile, Brandon Aragon finished third and 149 pounds, and he earned one of the conference's three wildcard selections to the NAI National Meet. That will take place next weekend in Des Moines, Iowa. So Brandon will have a chance, again, to go to nationals and compete for the University of Jamestown, and hopefully he can earn All-American honors. Now we'll switch our focus to women's wrestling, and this weekend, Saturday in Ottawa, Kansas, the University of Jamestown will defend its KCAC conference championship that they won last year. Uh, handily, last year, the Jimmy scored 144 points, nearly doubling up runner-up Missouri Valley, who had 73. York College finished third with 49 points. The Jimmys will defend their conference title. Last year was the first year ever that the Jimmy women's wrestling team was in a conference and got to compete for a conference championship. And, of course, they won it, and they'll have another chance to do that this weekend as well. And they've got a couple of defending champions coming back, Jeanette Caldera, 
at 101 pounds. She won the championship last year, um, along with Agatha Andrews, who won at 191 pounds, and a, a host of other wrestlers, uh, along with Alyssa Schroll, who won at 170 pounds, and several other Jimmies have finished second and third to rack up that point total. They'll be headed down to Ottawa this weekend on Saturday, trying to win their second consecutive KCAC title while also getting ready in two and a half weeks for the NAI Invitational, which will take place right here in Jamestown. And we caught up with Jimmy women's wrestler Shauna Kemp to talk about what is on the schedule ahead. Well, this week is the Kansas Collegiate Athletic Conference Women's Wrestling Championships. And yes, University of Jamestown is an affiliate member of the KCAC and with Shauna Kemp and coach. What does it mean to be part of a conference because of course for the first number of years that we had women's wrestling we were an independent and now you get to compete for a conference championship what does that mean to you as a coach and what do you think it means to your student athletes you know it really means a lot you know when i was in college we didn't have a lot of opportunities to have our athletes recognized or conference just gives you another chance to show off your team possibly win a championship and just really show the the world like hey you know this is a legit legitimate thing and we're in a conference we're in a national tournament and and we're following those steps to to be a legitimate sport let's talk about you mentioned being a legitimate sport it's interesting to see the growth of girls wrestling in high school and i was looking the other day how many states are now sanctioning it how many new states are holding uh, championships i know you're from arizona you went back there a couple weeks ago to recruit the girls state high school championship how does that how did that make you feel being in that tournament i i actually was pretty emotional uh when i went there um, obviously, I ran into a lot of old coaches I knew. I got to watch my high school wrestle. They don't have any girls yet, but they're getting there. Um, and they had the Parade of Champions, and I watched the girls out. And it was just an emotional thing for me, and I think it's just really important that it happens. I was in a place where I didn't have a choice, and I had to wrestle boys, but I would have much preferred to be in their position. It's amazing, again, to see the growth. The NAI now has a has a championship event, which we're going to get to host again this year. Uh, the NCA has, has moved forward and is really pushing the sport of women's wrestling. From the time that you competed until now, uh, are you surprised, excited? What's the range of emotions to see the growth in, in girls and women's wrestling? Uh, I'm not surprised. I've seen this coming for a really long time. Um, the nonprofit wrestle like a girl they really pushed it forward so it came a lot quicker than i was expecting um but just really happy that it's happening let's talk about girls wrestling in the state of north dakota obviously that's not a big thing right now but i know in talking to a few athletic directors if there's a sport that's going to be added to the to the, the sequence uh, girls wrestling would be it what do you see as the future of girls wrestling in the state of north dakota I think it's going to depend on, on some open-mindedness and, and some realization that women's wrestling is no different than any other women's sport. Um, when With any state that sanctions women's wrestling, it shows immediate growth. So until it's sanctioned, because right now everyone says, oh, well, you know, there's not a lot of numbers, there's only this many girls. Well, yeah, because they're not allowed to do it. So... As soon as it gets sanctioned, that's when you see the the growth. When I was talking to the AIA, which is the Arizona Interscholastic Association for 
wrestling, he was shocked. He was like, we just had a few girls last year, and now we've got three times the numbers. And it's like, yeah, that's the pattern because now they're allowed to do it. Let's peel back to University of Jamestown women's wrestling. So this weekend you're going down to trying to remember where where is this championship at in ottawa kansas that's right a lot of things going on in ottawa men's volleyball's down there women's wrestling uh last year you dominated the event uh do you obviously you want to win a championship do you see the same thing happening as the rest of the league uh i don't know if catching up to you is the right word is it going to be a closer race obviously you don't know because you haven't done it yet but looking at it and looking how the other teams have competed so far this year what's your thinking going into this weekend so it, it has um, gotten closer, um, and and for us, we have several girls who are really, really concentrating on the NAI and hopefully winning a national title and hopefully qualifying for Olympic trials. So we've pulled some of our girls um, so that they could concentrate on that, just from some small injuries that a little bit of time would have benefited. But... Uh, I mean, the rest of our team is really, really solid, so it might be a little bit closer race, but I still feel pretty confident that we'll come back with the championship. So in other words, you feel your team is deep enough to handle that, and who are some of the teams that are going to be competing for you, with you, for the conference championship? I think Midland uh, has probably the strongest team to compete with us, and then Missouri Valley, they always just are able to pull out pull out some good wins and so they're always scary to to go against less than two and a half weeks now until we host the nai women's wrestling invitational i know i don't want to say i'm anxious but it's it's upon us uh a lot of things still left to do Uh, aside from the wrestling part of it uh how are you uh, preparing getting ready for the championship Uh, (laughs) outside of wrestling i'm just making lots and lots of lists and then trying to check off those lists every single day so (laughs) What does it mean uh, for your program to be able to host a national championship? It, it's honestly, it's the greatest. Uh, we get to be home. We get our community to see us. Uh, we get the exposure of being here. We get to show off our facilities. It's, it's just really a great feeling. Well, it's snowing today here in Jamestown, North Dakota, but we're still thinking about baseball, and the Jimmies will head south for a second consecutive weekend as they will travel to Topeka, Kansas, to take on Aquinas College out of Michigan in four games. They will play two games on Saturday and two games on Sunday before returning to Jamestown for one final week of school before spring break and then heading off to Tucson, Arizona for their annual trip to play as many games possible out in the beautiful Arizona sunshine before returning north to start the second half of the second semester. To preview this weekend, we caught up with head coach Tom Hager. Well, coach, four games in, uh, obviously a long season to go, four games in the spring, I should say. You got to go down to uh, Joplin, Missouri, got four games in, lost to a very good pitcher at Columbia College, but won your other three games and won a couple of them in late inning fashion, and that had to make you really happy. Yeah, you know, anytime you can start the season out on a good note, winning three out of four, that's a, definitely a good thing. Um, we found ways to win, and oftentimes early in the season, that's what it's all about. It's just hanging in there and finding ways to win. Certainly, there's plenty of things that we know we need to improve on from one weekend to the next, um, but we also understand this is a marathon. It's not a sprint, so uh, we're going to keep plugging away each and every week trying to get better so that by the end of the season, we're playing our best baseball. 
were there two or three things that you saw happen last weekend where you said, hey, that's that's positive, or we were wondering about that and was it going to happen? Did you have any of those moments last weekend? Yeah, you know, um, one of those things was just what I had mentioned a second ago, finding ways to win. We had some guys that battled uh, some really good at-bats to find a way to get on base, and then we were able to move them over and get them in. So um, one of the things you want to see early in the year is just your guys battling offensively. The second thing was we saw some really good relief uh, appearances from some guys that we know will help us down the line, but we got to see it early in the season, and, and that bodes well for the future. And then the last thing is that we saw that our outfielders can cover some ground, and when you've got guys that can go and run and get it, um, that certainly shores up your defense and makes your team that much better. You're headed back south this weekend. You've got Aquinas College out of Michigan for four games. What do you know about them, and what are you hoping to accomplish? this weekend? Well, we believe they're a solid team. They have a new coach. Um, I've had a chance to get to know him over the last few months over the phone and through a bunch of texts and emails. So he's been a very successful high school coach, made the move to college, and um, we're looking forward to playing them. It It's an opportunity for us to simulate a conference weekend where you're playing four games against the same team and uh, the weather looks good. So it, it should be a great opportunity for us. Our final interview today is a special one. We caught up with Tom Wilson. Tom is a volunteer assistant coach with Jimmy Softball and Jimmy Track and Field and truly an inspirational story in many ways, as you'll find out as we caught up with Tom. Well, we try to interview people in all different various locations on campus. This is our first interview in the cafeteria here at the University of Jamestown. We're eating great food. I'm with Tom Wilson. And Tom... Assistant coach for track, assistant coach for softball. You work a lot with pitchers in softball. Ironically, you work with the pole vaulters. Two very divergent things, but talk about your connection to the University of Jamestown and where you grew up and a little bit about your background. Well, I actually grew up in Jamestown, and uh, so I remember being about 14, 15 years old, and we'd come over and play touch football on Sunday afternoons. And it seems that Coach Greeno would always give us about an hour and a half, and then he'd chase us off the field. And so we've, I've been coming up here for a long time. I actually went to school at Mankato State. And uh, then when I came back to Jamestown for sporting goods, um, everything just kind of clicked with working at, with the athletes up at University of Jamestown. So how did you come to work with the softball pitchers and the pole vaulters? Because if I had to pick two things, there might be two things further apart than that, but those are pretty two divergent things. How did you come to work with those two groups? Well, I actually pole vaulted in high school and also ran a little bit of decathlon in college. And then, uh, of course, my dad was a, was, a, was a baseball player, and so I got in the game of fast pitch when I was about 16. And they really sound like they're a lot different, but they're both really technique-based sports where mechanics, technique, really have a big part on you know failure and success on that. What do you enjoy most about working with student-athletes? Um, the energy that they bring and it just rubs off on you it's it's like when you think that you've got kind of a tough day going on and all of a sudden you see an athlete 
succeed or really compete at their best level, you just get energized by it. Well, you're one of the most energetic guys I know, but I also know you've you've gone through a lot in your in your personal history with with illnesses and cancer and what you've been through and how you've persevered and if you don't mind talk a little bit about what you've gone through and how you've persevered through that and how that's kind of shaped you as a person well about 10 years ago um I wasn't feeling quite right, and I went and got checked up, and uh, that's when I got the original cancer diagnosis. And uh, so, you know, you go through a lot. You go through a lot of the first, the first three to four weeks. It's just a whirlwind. You know, everything is. We got. We've got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. And uh, so, when I got the diagnosis. You really have to make a decision right then and there of how you're gonna compete for not not just for sports but for life. And uh, I I made a, a decision that I was, you know, my catchphrase all the time is win the day. You know, there's not a lot I can control two two months down the road, six months down the road, but I know that I can compete for the day. And if I do that, there's a 99% chance I'm here tomorrow to compete again. And that's really been my thought process. And I've been so fortunate that, like I said, I get so much energy from working with young athletes that just completely, I mean, at times I'm, I'm just, I marvel at what, what quality people we get to work with. I don't want to delve or dwell too much on this, but you didn't have just one cancer diagnosis. You've had several. I mean, talk a little bit about that. I've had, uh, when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed with uh, renal cell carcinoma stage four. And um, that means that originally the cancer had started in my my left kidney. Um, It had metastasized to the lungs, so I had spotting in the lungs. Um, I had one tumor by the left atrium of the heart and one by the windpipe. And apparently those are the ones they get kind of concerned with. But I, I've said this, that I went down to Mayo Clinic and uh, you know that was a nice, that was a 10 hour surgery of two teams of surgeons. Um, and I was very fortunate to go to Roger Maris Cancer Center. And I've said this, that I know that I got 100% of what Mayo could do for me then. I also know that what I have got and continue to get from Roger Maris is 100% of what they can give me. So I've always felt that if I don't give 100%, I'm the weak link. But yeah, I've been through, I, you know, we're, I still do chemo every day at 3.30 in the morning. I get up and take some chemo tablets. I've been through infusions. I've been through radiations, the surgeries. Um, but I've always felt that I could fight for the next day, for the next chance. And I think, you know, if anybody has an opportunity to ever see like Roger Maris cancer and see the the amount of determination that you see among the patients 
um, and the doctors and the nurses and everybody there, um, you really gain an insight to what a cancer battle is. And like I said, I've been so fortunate that um, I get to work with the young people that lets me take my mind away from that and just lets you be the ornery old pitching coach at times or the, the old pole vaulting coach and, and uh, I think anybody that goes through cancer will tell you that the number one thing that they want to do every day is to feel normal. It's not that they want to feel special or anything like that, but if you can just feel normal for the day, I, I think then you win the day. We're going to take a look inside the numbers here, and specifically the Jimmy Baseball team, who is eight and two on the season, counting their fall games. They're three and one during their spring season. Right now, the Jimmy's hitting 264 as a team. At the top is Brian Rice, who is 7 of 16 so far this year, is hitting a blistering 438. Taylor Cullen hitting 333. Dirk Edmondson, starting catcher, 333. Jared Bentley is hitting 333. And Lincoln Trujillo, who has started all 10 games, he's hitting 300 with four home runs and 11 runs batted in. The Jimmy's is a pitching staff, 4.62 ERA so far this season. Aaron Pugh is 1-0 on the season. Cameron Jenkins, 2-0. He's pitched in five games. He has pitched seven and a third innings, only given up five hits. So, so those are some of the inside numbers on the Jimmy baseball teams. I mentioned they're 8-2 on the season. Looking at the two basketball teams as they have wrapped up their season, women's basketball, the Jimmys on the women's side averaged 66.5 points per game this year. They out-rebounded their opponents by an average of two and a half rebounds per game, forced 694 turnovers, and had an incredible 372 steals this year. It's a real credit to the hustle and gumption of the Jimmy Wins basketball team. Taking a look at the men, they averaged 87.3 points per game, shot nearly 50% for the season. That is really tough to do. They shot 49.4%. From three-point, they were just under 40%, 3.98%. Shot it well from the free-throw line as well, right about 73%. So there's a take a look inside the numbers. Now it's time to wrap up the podcast for this week. And the Jimmy men's volleyball team will be on the road this week as they will travel to number three park and play them on Friday night. That match is set to take place at 7 o'clock. Then they'll travel across the border to take on Ottawa at 3 in the afternoon. On Saturday, the match on Friday, Park has yet to lose a match. They are 9-0 and on the season and have yet to lose, or they've only lost two sets all year. So that tells you just how strong they are. So it'll be quite a test for the Jimmy men's volleyball team. also want to mention that Julia Johnson, the senior from Park River, who has qualified for the NAI Indoor National Championships, was this week's GPAC Outstanding Women's Field Performer of the Week, as picked by the league coaches. Julia won the triple jump last weekend in Mitchell, South Dakota at the GPAC Championships with a best effort of 37 feet, 7 and 1 quarter inches. And briefly, we'll talk a little bit about Jimmy Men's Hockey. They are off this weekend before uh, taking on Minot State next weekend, but next week they should find out who their opponent will be officially in the ACHA Division I tournament, which takes place March 19th to the 29th in Frisco, Texas. 
And as the old cliche goes, as if, if the season were to end today, the Jimmies would be the number 11th ranked team in the country, and they would take on number six, the University of Michigan Dearborn. Uh, that's what that looks like right now. The top teams are Adrian is ranked number one, Liberty number two, Lindenwood number three, Ohio University number four, Minot number five, Michigan Dearborn number six. So the Jimmies would take on Michigan Dearborn uh, in the middle of March in the first round of the national tournament. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Everything Jimmy Athletics podcast. It's a pleasure to bring it to you twice a week here from the University of Jamestown. Uh, No home events this week, an unusual one, but next week we'll have three home men's volleyball matches to focus in on. We certainly hope you can make it out to Harold Newman Arena for that. Make sure and follow everything on jimmyathletics.com going on this weekend. You can keep up to date with all the happenings and then catch up with us next week on Monday, our first of two Everything Jimmy Athletics podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Pass this along to all your friends, neighbors, family, and Jimmy alums. And if you have any suggestions, please pass it along for us. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Jimmies.